0: My name is Eva Jesse Clements. And I am Louise Ward. And uh, today we've got a treat for you. Um, We are yet again uh, using our hour-long parasocial storytime hour to wade into major geopolitical uh, conflicts and disputes um, with uh, Enhanced Interrogation Week. Yay!
1: <laughs> well, it was funny because after last week, I was kind of looking at the film selections I had, um, and there was a degree to which I was like, hey, we gotta get back on track here. Cause yeah. Because I'm, I'm bored, and I want to have stuff to talk about, and yeah. initially I was like, hey, I'm just going to pick two extremely disturbed movies off yeah. of like, the most disturbing films list. And then I was going through my DVD collection and I saw a copy of a movie I tr- genuinely loved and was like, you know what, this fits the bill for the pod. I want to rewatch it and I know we'll be able to talk about it because it's a nice juicy little morsel of a movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it comes at a period of when these sorts of movies were at, like maybe their most interesting. Because yeah. there was a degree of aggression behind them. There's a degree of political um interest in terms of what a transgressive film can do and
0: yeah. it's one of the rougher sits i think we've had on yeah. the pod for yeah. sure um so the first film is simon Runley's 2010 red white and blue um and yeah i sort of my my expectations were non-existent coming into this one i knew nothing about it um, and when it started, it starts as, like, such a low-key indie drama, and, and it's from 2010, and I was like, this feels like a second movie. This does not feel like a first movie in a Louise program, because usually we do sort of an A and B of, like, a classic exploitation film into, like, something more contemporary that's usually lower budget, more minimal, more naturalistic, more, more of that indie mumblecore kind of vibe. So when it started on that, I was like, uh, you also didn't tell me the full docket for this week. Well, I never of, do. I never really yeah. tell for the movies we're watching. We, oh, we just no, kind we, of put them on. Normally, you do tell me what both are when you start the first one. You did not tell me movie I two see. prior to movie one going on. I didn't even tell um, you what movie two time. was after we watched a second movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, um, which we'll get there. We'll get there. There's a lot of content this week. Um... But um, yeah, so I was like, "This feels like one of our B selections." I'm so curious as to how this fits in. Um, but it 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 really is amazing because it's the quintessential pod movie. The first half of it is is a is a mumblecore indie drama, and the second half of it is like sheer balls Sicko, to the wall torture exploitation porn. torture yeah. porn. Yeah, um, and it. Yeah, it's 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 a quintessential pod movie. It is exactly. it is the pod movie. And and um, it, it's interesting. So so
1: the way I'm familiar with the film is the movie was actually produced by Fantastic Fest in part because Tim Lee was involved. They shot yeah. even at like the South Lamar yeah. Cinema. They shot all throughout Austin, and I remember you pointing out like, oh my god, this is an Austin Emos. movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so. Um, it felt like the, the perfect temperature to turn up as we're moving into the fall here. And throw a nice, like, Texas sort of revenge thriller. And uh, the way I saw it was at the Calgary Underground Film Festival. Mm. Or maybe it was the Calgary International Film Festival. One of those two. I I, I had to, like, dupe my way in when I was, like, like 16, I guess, back in 2010. Um, where I would, like, go and talk to the film festival programmers and say, Hey, I really care about seeing this movie. I know I'm only 16. Will you please let me in to watch it? And then they would be like, Louise for you. Yes. But if I see a fucking drink in your hand, you're out of here and you're banned for life. And I was like, I I don't drink. I just watch movies (laughs) because I'm, (laughs) That's all I hmm. care about. Yeah. That's my addiction. Yeah. Um. So I got to see like that and a bunch of other like crazy, cool movies that will
0: definitely be hitting up on the pod eventually. It would have been but, really funny if you were just using the film fest as a way to underage drink. It, it seems I, like
1: a really elaborate strat for that. I mean, it, I, teenagers do crazy <laughs> stuff, but I, 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 literally, as a as a kid, made a fake ID so I could go see rated R movies. Yeah. That yeah. was it. I never used it to get into a bar. <laughs> I used it to go see rated R movies. <laughs> And uh, one time I used it to get into a Death Grips concert.
0: <laughs> okay, Death Grips. Uh, didn't you? Didn't you go to Swans when they were in? No, I've never seen Swans. Insert small town. Ta- uh, insert hometown of us here. Uh, no, I don't. Never okay. seen Swans. Okay. 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 No. Oh, I I thought I I thought you had gotten into that. I I was tempted to fake my way into Swans. But anyways. I
1: don't know. Actually, I did a lot of drugs back then. It's possible I did That's this. Actually, true. this is like unlocking a potential memory. Mm, I don't know. I did a lot of things back then, and I definitely went okay. to a lot of concerts using my fake ID as well, because concerts and movies are all I care about. But okay, I want to go back to Right way and Blue*. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a huge effect on me. Where when I saw that movie, it kind of like opened up cinema in a new way. Like yeah. it was like a like solving the lament configuration. I was like okay, <laughs> there is like a new pleasure zone of cinema that I'm accessing here. Because it is, the, as you said, that layout of the mix of the Mumblecore movie turns into the extreme horror movie. If you look at my work, that is every single movie I've ever made yes. um, that, that <clears throat> has been a substantial project is the Mumblecore movie that turns into an extreme horror movie. Yeah. So here you have Red, White, and Blue. It is kind of like this amazing, like, skeleton key that unlocks, like, my artistic in- inclinations. Yeah. Um, and is definitely, you can see the DNA of it in the movie we're making right now. Yeah. No. But... To me, the movie is so fascinating because it does put that character study first. And then it also does the thing structurally where it has dueling protagonists. Yeah. Which I am I, a huge fan of as well. Yeah. So I, I find the movie to be immensely sophisticated in terms of how the script is laid out. Yeah. And then it kind of works in an interesting way of, of having a thematic uh, fabric that comments on the U S and I guess global politics following nine 11 and the Iraq war without it being a perfect analog. It just kind of like it it exists in the air to add the, add some extra depth in the layers of the movie. Um, because for anyone who hasn't seen the film, uh, as you probably haven't, because this is like now kind of obscure, fifteen years later or whatever.
0: Yeah, I had never heard of it.
1: But um, which is crazy because like Simon Rumley, like his first movie was huge yeah. back then, and then like you know I've 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 read a few. I've of, heard his name before. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, read a few but... of his scripts that have mm. been since, but he just hasn't. I don't know. There must be more huh. of a story there. I don't know much yeah. about him, but um, the uh, the the thing about like Red, White, and Blue is. It, it, it's this movie about these two guys. There's there's Nate and Erica and... Frankie. Frankie Frankie's is the, the other guy, the other right? Guy. So, yeah. so basically, Erica goes around having sex with men, uh, like, kind of without any regard for anything. Turns out she has um, HIV and gave it to this guy Frankie she slept with at the start of the movie. Um, and then her new boyfriend-slash-husband, Nate, who she's, like, kind of kindled this like very subtle uh relationship with ends up uh having to go out and get revenge after frankie murders her that's how the movie operates um but the way it's laid out structurally is is much more subtle and yeah. complicated where it kind of follows each of these characters through a very methodic slow revelation of of yeah of, of these details. Like where you you go from,
0: you go from the, the sex scene between Erica and Frankie right at the beginning into, uh, into just sort of a portrait of Erica's life into meeting Nate into, uh, into this really hard left turn into going back to Frankie prior to his relationship to the situation prior to knowing that he has, uh, HIV. Um, and it is this like hard right where there's like it's like feels like 20 minutes a half hour of the movie is like just this guy's like breakdown and this guy's entire life falling apart. And I, I honestly thought it was going to maybe be like an episodic thing where we would keep where we would keep doing left turns from character to character to character. Um, but then the way it comes together is just so brutal when he discovers that he has HIV, he discovers that she was the one who gave it to him, uh, you know, he kidnaps her and then tortures her, tortures her, kills her. And then, and then involves they... all of the bandmates yes. in it. Yeah.
1: And then Nate shows up for revenge. Yeah. And he was, a operative, uh, working doing enhanced interrogation over in the Middle East. so he uh, proceeds to torture these guys using those tactics and yeah. it is unbelievably hard to watch yes. um it it's funny because you compare it to a film like Hostel yeah. right Hostel is working from the same DNA as this in terms of that disillusionment of yeah. Iraq and all these sorts of like ideas around like the aftermath of like, the Abu Ghraib photos yeah. and all these things that we've kind of talked about on other episodes in the yeah. podcast at that, that turn of like post nine 11, or the advent of torture porn coming out of that response to the, uh, cultural, uh, sort of like absolvement of yeah. uh, enhanced
0: interrogation in the Middle the, East. The, the awareness of the violence of the maintenance of empire and the, uh, the, the the feelings of complicity that came from just being like some kids in that empire trying to make movies <laughs> yeah so then you have
1: these movies that that, that, that came out of it so like we're saying like hostile kind of takes into a cartoonish direction where it's yeah. like oh these Americans let's yeah. see them get get theirs or whatever yeah. right um the, in the hostility of the world and like kind of turning it back on them what, yeah. what this movie does very interestingly is I, I, it, it's more subtle and low-key and yeah. how it pre- presents the violence is very realistic. Yeah. Like, one of the murders is, like, someone just having, like, um, tape over their face until yeah. they suffocate, you know? And it's, like, it's it's subtle, but it's more powerful in, yeah. in doing so.
0: Well, and the, the deeply established kind of character dynamics, the fact that none of the violence sort of occurs until, like, 50, or, or, or like, well past the halfway point of the movie, like means that it really does it, it really does hurt with things like how the first bandmate to get tortured was the one bandmate who wasn't there for the for the sort of group sex with Erica, like the one who's sort of been like the moral conscience of the group is the first one to get tortured and then in comes this guy with limited information and that scene's probably he he probably gets it the worst. Oh yeah, like, no, like yeah. the movie's
1: uncompromising. Yeah. Like the first thing the dude does is stab his daughter. Yeah like his like like six year old daughter. Yeah. It's like the the brutality of it is also so matter of fact. And yeah. like Nate's character being this like enhanced interrogation guy it's uncompromising yeah like he he ha- he has like really no it, it, i think that today we're gonna talk a lot about like moral codes yeah and the fact that this guy is like i was wrong so anything i do fits within my like moral understanding of revenge right yeah. it's like everything yeah. i do is justified because i like there's almost like a kind of i guess nihilism to
0: it uh, right Well, or more so, just like an empowerment, uh, an empowered solipsism. Okay, that's actually a better way of putting it. Where it's where it's that like this guy's been giving this given this military perspective of like, oh, like I'm some step above civilians. I know the inside. I know the score. These people are just sort of sheep to me to be to be sort of herded around. Yeah. Once they cross that line into, you're not a you you know, you're not no longer just some other person, but you're an enemy, like Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's and there of course there's no consequences for yeah. him and in, in, no. in his after post revenge, right? Yeah. Um yeah, no, it, it it is a very heavy, emotionally it draining is. and heavy movie. It really is. Um I think that also the the uh way in which it explores this idea of like d- disease. Yeah. Well, like like if you if you were to try to draw the metaphor metaphor out as like oh is this like an iraq war metaphor there is this degree in which it like uses disease as this like sort of um uh i guess
0: metaphor for like imperialism or something yeah like i don't know there's sort of this background of like erica sort of views her spreading hiv to to all the like men that she sleeps with as this kind of, like, feminist revenge, which is in itself, like, some wildly, like, interesting, troubling gender dynamics. Oh, yeah, which it's is really, su- very subversive. Uh, I really appreciate yeah, it. Because
1: um, she's like, okay, well, I was, I was abused as a child by men, so I don't yeah, care about the destruction I inflict upon men.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and then... I mean, that sort of original, that that's sort of the the like original sin of this sort of chain of revenge that happens where you know, she's revenging on Frankie for for what happened to her as a kid. Frankie is then revenging on her. Nate is then revenging on Frankie. It, it does sort of imply, you know, in much the same way that the groundwork was sort of set for, uh, for like, um, for the Taliban by by like the Iran Contra kind of uh, funding, like in the same way that that sort of was, you know, there's this ancient or this this older trauma is inflicted, it sets off this cycle of attack 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 and it just escalates with each sort of back and forth of that ping pong
1: yeah and, and what I think is interesting about the movie is it's not like perfectly analogous to anything yes. <laughs> it, 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 it it more so just kind of works in this idea of like the futility <clears throat> of revenge and the way that a lot of like great like revenge films yeah. play out yeah. and um specifically like I, I feel like it alludes almost to like the rape and revenge genre yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways where it's like the futility of revenge can never make up for the initial like slights. Yeah. And then kind of in a way using it to explore the depravity in how like the imperialist American response to the middle East in terms of the escalation yeah. of, you yeah. know, um, pain inflicted. Yeah. Um, can never like, can, it has to be so extreme because it can never make up for the initial slight in yeah. in, the, in the head of the person yeah. who's, seeking revenge, right? Yeah. And and I think that's interesting because of like the, obviously there's collateral civilian damage <laughs> of like the husband and wife, or, or sorry, the wife and daughter yeah. and like all this stuff kind of plays out in a way that's it it it's less like a perfect analog to like I don't think it's trying to be a like okay, insert one character here for one thing yeah, here idea. Yeah, it's yeah. more so like the the sort of like vibe or emotional yeah. idea of like trying to explore like global conflict. And I think that's like a pretty ballsy and bold thing for a movie to do yeah especially like you know like made by someone who's not um, american yeah. like like yeah, uh, yeah I, a Brit, so. I was gonna
0: say it's a uk filmmaker who's setting a film you know specifically in texas to sort of allude to george bush like uh, and there's there's this sort of uh, i was uh, i was trying to write down sort of other instances of this micro genre where you have it's it's a guy who is very much like a a military figure or like a representation of that that cultural moment in america who gets slighted and then the revenge that he takes is way more brutal and far worse than actually the initial crime that you witness and like devil's rejects does this prisoners uh does this a little later like it's a real it's a real sort of like you you could make like the letterbox lists of like Movies where a guy who is a Bush analog does a revenge that's worse than the thing that the revenge was for. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I and
1: and mm. I like it coming in this like, you know, it's mm. ten years removed from like a movie like Irreversible. Yeah, like, yeah, which, yeah. Um, which is
0: also in that in that milieu. I haven't seen it, but I, yeah, I no, it it's it, 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 it it's very much so. Yeah. It was
1: almost the movie I wanted to pair with this oh, okay, one. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> but I was like. That's a heavy night, but it does the same idea yeah. of like, yeah. you know, the, um, Irreversible is like one of the best fucking movies of the last Three years. Once
0: we're once once we're not so fresh on revenge, I'm sure that's that's on the list of I- inevitable. Yeah, I don't want
1: Yeah, it, it would definitely be a good good movie with this one as like a double yeah. bill because it definitely explores all of the same themes in yeah. a way that I think is very fascinating. I'm not gonna get into it because you haven't seen it. But, we
0: could do we we yeah. could just do a noise series. Put that on the list, like because yeah. we, we've we've talked about a couple of directors' series potentially before.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Um, do we want to bring
0: up our next movie, or do you have anything else to say on Red, White, and Blue? Um, I mean, uh, it, it it's a great film. I'm really glad that you uh, exposed me to it, and that we're uh, that 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 we're exposing our audience to it because I do feel like it is kind of very unsung and feels like a classic of this form. Like it is just uh, again, you you rarely see something that. Takes such care with the emotional dynamics and the characters and the narrative structure, as you say, uh, and but that goes as hard as this and goes to some really like trashy, insane, like challenging, not only like emotional but like visceral kinds of places. Like, it's it rocks. That's yeah, it's my really note. Good. It's really you know, good. <laughs> when I was in
1: high school after seeing this movie, I, I wrote a script that was called. Uh, filth, mm. and it was a it was a screenplay that was my attempt at making a movie that was like an amalgamation of like all the filthiest stuff I'd seen. You know, nice. I'm like I'm like 17, 18 years old, yeah. so like the ideas are just like it's that Rivette quote of like if you haven't seen a lot of movies, then you're going to be inspired. Like whether you want to or not, you're inspired by the movies you have seen. Yeah. rather then um. if you see a lot of movies, like I have now in my yeah. life, where it's like I can pick my influences. So, because of that, I, I wrote the script that was, like, basically John Waters meets this movie. And okay. it was, like, meets, like, natural born killers. <laughs> and it was, like, so filthy, but I, like, directly steal the scene where the baseball bat with the family and like extended horrible torture scene where the the character like tortures (laughs) this guy's family it was so sick and then i did this thing where i ripped the cover page off of it with so it didn't have my name on it i left copies of the screenplay around my school high school (laughs) and it it got around got pretty far around people be like did you write this it was pretty funny are
0: you the filth kid
1: yeah it was funny when my dad's uh stalker was like going on her crusade against me she had she had she had somehow gotten a hold of this fucked up screenplay i wrote and and (laughs) then posted it all posted about on the internet how i was probably a rapist (laughs) pretty good
0: shit life's crazy god damn yeah so uh, yeah do we want to get let's get into movie 1.5
1: okay so the way i I curated the night was there was one movie in particular i wanted to talk about to go alongside this because i felt that they were like
0: perfect
1: pairing for each other but at the same time, I was like, "If we're going to talk about this movie, I want to talk about within the broader context of of Mister Daddy, 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 uh, Paul Schrader." Yeah. Um. So Who's I was been
0: coming up a lot on the pod as of late, and we, we it seems overdue. Well, to it's just because as commit. time
1: goes on, I I really do think he might be the one of the best at the form. Yeah. Of no. Cinema. One of the goats. I think that like... he. I I really think he might just be one of those guys who just. Conquered the medium, yeah, like, like I, better than anybody. Like, I had no movies are perfect,
0: yeah. I had not seen any Schrader movies until, um, uh, other than Taxi Driver until like this year. And the second, the second I saw Mishima, it was just like, okay, I've got to start bashing these off, yeah. And I think, like, I've seen like seven or eight of them now, yeah. Well, you watched Hardcore, <laughs> like, and yeah, and, and that's a good one,
1: but so, so what we actually started with, um, was, uh, Paul Schrader's unreleased film Dark, which is, uh, there was a film called Dying of the Light that starred Nicolas Cage and Anton Yelchin, and it was taken away from him in post, and because he was so unhappy with it, he took the work print DVDs and with another editor was able to cut together something that was kind of his director's cut, so to speak. I I don't think it's what he originally envisioned for the movie, but he use the limitations that were present um with him having to cobble this movie together himself um to make something that's like bold and interesting and exploring new avenues Mm -hmm. of film like i think he related what he was trying to with it to like stan brackage and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and um it is one of my favorite paul schrader movies yeah because it is it is a bold swing it's it's Paul Schrader crossed with Damon Packard <laughs> stylistically. It, the editing style is r- ridiculously aggressive. Yeah. Um, and it, its narrative framework's insane. I love that he added in all the slurs. Like, put all the slurs <laughs> back in the movie. It's so cool.
0: Well, and it's so funny. Like, it, it, it works almost to the movie's benefit that it got taken away from him and extended in this shitty way and that he had to cut it back down because, like... The, the editing is so aggressive, is so, like, herky-jerky and cutting across mediums and, like, doing all these insane colors and overlays that, like, having that next to the fact that he's clearly, like, just, like, continuity-wise trying to work around scenes that, like, don't work fully. Like, the the, the fact that, like, he clearly... Well, he's fighting against the score. Yeah, he's... And all these
1: different things that were added without uh his, like oversight yeah so it's like it, it is a frankenstein's monster yeah. movie like because it, of that it's
0: fucking great the disjointedness of the actual like basic narrative flow of the movie matches how insane the stylistic yeah. choices are yeah. so basically
1: nicholas cage plays a ex cia operative who is dying from dementia where his brain is is on its way out and he gets word that his, like, kind of arch nemesis terrorist guy, who he has lasting trauma with, um, from 22 years previously, is still active, um, where the terrorist is, is dying of a rare, like, blood disease, like, a, like, a form of leukemia. Yeah. So, uh, Nick Cage, he, he leaves the CIA and gets help from his buddy Anton Yelchin to, to go and track this guy down so he can get the justice he's always wanted. It's another revenge film. Yeah. Um, that's also about the futility of revenge. Yes. And, but um, in an
0: extremely different way. Yes. It is. It is
1: uh, the editing style is extremely aggressive. It, he uses overlays and cross-cutting yeah. and, like, vi- visual distortion yeah. to... Kind of put you in the headspace of Nicolas Cage's character, um, and like ha- like having that like you know overcome with dementia, where it's, it, it it is extremely aggressive in its style.
0: Well, and like cutting between like formats, where it'll go to like video and then to like footage of the video on a screen being recorded digitally. Like it it, it really kind of it it uses the language of cinema to to describe reality collapsing by 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 just like putting you on the other end of the screen periodically yeah i wonder if that's where i might have gotten some of the
1: idea for uh your music video
0: i i wonder there's a lot of similar techniques yeah Yeah. because
1: the way he shoots the tvs reminded me of how i shot the tvs in your video yeah Um, it was kind of an i i didn't if, if It would have been some conscious inspiration yeah. if there was some, which I think is really cool. Because, yeah. you know, this is a criminally underseen Paul Trader yeah. film. Yeah. I mean, like, I think it's only like really weird film people who, who have it. My, my old uh, friend of me, James Healy, sent me a copy back in the day when yeah. there was just one being traded among like cinephiles in new york on like google drives so yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool to finally get a copy of it yeah. and there's, there's
0: definitely legal means of acquiring this absolutely we it's it's you should acquire it legally through the legal ways that exist do, to get, do to get people it. care about that i don't know i don't think I'm so go joke. go i'm sure it's on karagarga or something yeah. go check it out um the uh i i love the specific kind of military industrial complex paranoia of like bush era like i don't know just like bush era documents like this like th- this movie reminded me a lot of this like This from the 2010s This is a bomb era oh okay he even, oh right, right, right. He, even says, he says fuck obama yeah he says how far is your head up obama's ass um which i mean is great because well but it reminds me of the paranoia of that era specifically i was thinking about like Uh, I I was watching it kind of going like, God, Schrader is the only one who could do like a Metal Gear Solid movie justice. Yes. Like, uh, you know, it's so much, so much that kind of blending of the boundaries of like language with like metafiction with like this. Yeah. Just like deep, deep paranoia about the degree to which like military and state control sort of, determines the lives of normal people like um yeah Uh, the 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 other thing that that i thought about a ton watching this was like he was really ahead of the game in terms of gerontocracy which is like something that we talk about a lot now in terms of like you know the increasing age of politicians in terms of the increasing age of people who like make actually determinative decisions about things as lifespans increase. um, You know, you have... As lifespans increase and we maintain sort of this system of inheritances where people hold on to power through their entire lives, you end up in this weird, like, baby boomer chokehold where the people at the top of society are, like, increasingly just more, like, demented and incapable and, like, mentally out of it um and like what the consequences of that look like long term is horrifying in a way that this movie captures really viscerally like yeah. in terms of their their whole spy quest just being totally incoherent and pointless And not really accomplishing anything and just being kind of just a huge waste of, like, time and state resources, like. Well, and it ends in, in this, like, you know,
1: you talk about the futility of revenge. He gets in the room to, to get his revenge on this, this guy. And they're both in a state where they're going to be dead so soon. Like, it's, like, (laughs) pointless to even, even, like, have gotten this far where they're in a room confronting each other. And Nicolas Cage's character just freezes up yeah. from his dementia, yeah. and the movie just goes into becomes Dog Star Man, yeah. and just has the the freaking like the, light the show and everything. Yeah, and I think it's um, I think that it's interesting because because the reason I wanted to bring this movie up is because I think that this was Schrader having a playground like a, yeah. lo- a no stakes playground. Yeah. to explore a lot of the the style and such things that he would then go on to do in the guys in a room trilogy or whatever yeah. man in a room man in a room trilogy yeah. um because you you look at this as like the the semiotic excess of yes. of, of dark <laughs> which is like one big experiment where it's like okay let's let's take the like, like i would call it almost a structuralist narrative film like yeah. i know that's kind of an impossible like combination <laughs> but like let's call it like a, a narratively structuralist film like in the way that like uh some of greenaway's work is
0: yeah know? or like split down the middle in this way where it is like there's a harshly experimental side to it that is intruding upon a very conventional narrative well film, stru- l- stru- l- t- structuralism t- only requires
1: the, the like like structuralism is like a semiotic con- consideration right so it's like it, it it's a movie in which like like the in the barest sense it's a movie in which it's showing you how to watch it. It's yeah. showing you yeah. the seams of like 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 it's a movie that you know it's a movie right yeah it, it it's playing with the form in a way yeah. where I think that Schrader is is from the first frame of this is yeah. saying okay I'm training you how to watch this I'm I'm yeah. showing you what the like there is a an order to yeah. it, which is a big part of the structuralist like there's there's order to what's happening mm. here and um. Like like in the editing style, yeah, in the rhythms of the editing yeah. style, um, and I think that he then looks at that and he makes this like nearly structuralist uh, experimental movie out of Dying the Light into the Dark, and then he parses it down, yeah, and goes makes First Reformed, right, yeah, which is like him going back to like the, you know, he wrote the he wrote a book on transcendental filmmaking that's him looking at Ozu and Brisson and such and going okay. I'm going to strip everything back in the way that these filmmakers were able to strip everything back into like the most bare essentials, right? Like you're not leaving the Tarkovsky ring or anything <laughs> like I, I <laughs> but, um, it's, uh, it, it is, it is like, okay, I've, I've pushed as far as I can. And then you take some of the sublime elements of dark with its, like, almost, like, Flickr film, weird-ass yeah. bra- Brackage-ass qualities, Hulse Frampton, uh, you know, Tony Conrad, like, these sorts of guys who were playing with form. Um, Paul, Schre- Paul Sherrits, you know? Um, sorry, I'm naming a bunch of people <laughs> the filmmakers you have There's, no idea yeah, who I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. Yeah, I know Brackage. The rest okay. of these are... <laughs> uh, oh, boy, we're going to have a fun night. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like... Um, you 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 have these scenes in this trilogy of films that lend to that style, right? Yeah. You have the the floating scene yes. in, um, yeah. in the first form, which which is a very subtle yes. way of doing this, but but still ends in an abstraction. Yeah, you have. Um, the scene in the, um, light garden yeah. in a uh, card counter, yeah. which turns into total abstraction and yeah. flicker film almost qualities at a certain point. It looks like, uh, it looks like, Oh God, like, um, ufos or something yeah like that. yeah no there's like a movie called ufos i forget who oh, the okay. filmmaker is, is jenkins or something oh god there's just... so much <laughs> there's so many or like lapis Wait, just, or something uh, like that like you know some of these like classic like experimental yeah. structuralist type of movies and
0: the the sequence in um the sequence in card counter is the one that gets the closest to like the pure abstraction of of, of what dark does yeah for sure like, well and
1: then uh master gardener does the garden dream the blooming... sequence the blooming sequence when yeah. they're driving which yeah. is which because of the way schrader uses like cgi elements yeah. and stuff like like in all those cases it is it lends like this almost like new wave video art quality to yeah. it that i really love yeah um and i think that that's like those are the strongest elements like that stick out to me as a yeah. filmmaker in those movies like i, I obviously, I, I i love the transcendental spiritual yeah. qualities of like you know brisson is probably my favorite mm. filmmaker mm. um so like uh to see um those qualities borrowed in terms of how he's doing this like man in a room writing in a diary like like yeah. brisson is the biggest inspiration on those yeah. like like you would lose your shit over those films
0: yeah the um sorry uh, children outside oh yeah there's Um, children screaming outside um the uh um you've sorry i lost it i lost it i had something good um Um, the the other movie we're doing is card counter by the way oh yeah i guess i forgot to bring that up
1: so yeah so so i want to talk about card counter because it obviously has such direct analogs to um Red, white, and blue. Yeah. And so the, the reason I want to bring up Card Counter is because I think that politically what Schrader's playing with in Dark, both both playing with politically, playing with yeah. in terms of how to present these ideas um, in in a film framework that can be aggressive, um, Card Counter is extremely aggressive in its style yeah. when it decides to be. Yes. The Abu Ghraib sequences are some of the coolest shit I've ever seen shot. I've, I, I actually... When I was working on a TV show-, show here in Vancouver, I-, I got to see like one of those like four millimeter lenses, oh, wow. and I was I remember thinking to myself I was like, why are they using this on this bad TV mm, yeah. show? You don't yeah. need it. You don't need a four millimeter lens. Who would ever need this? <laughs> and then I remember yeah. the first time when me and Dion watched yeah. The Card Counter, I saw it come out in those yeah. sequences, and I went, oh my god, only Paul Schrader could figure out how to pull impl- impl- like apply yeah. a tool like this and make something so genius it's and a, perfect it it's one a of the pure best of hell. like it, it, it's oh yeah, it's a Hieronymus bosch painting yes. like it's
0: it,
1: yeah and and for a movie that's exclusively shot on location with the exception of them having built those sets yeah. on a soundstage for yeah. Evergrave is like
0: simply extraordinary yeah. it's it's <sighs> and it comes so out of the blue and actually this was the point that i was blanking on before is the 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 way in the whole man in, in a room trilogy that the 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 banality of like middle American spaces is so is so emphasized through like the color schemes and the ways that the architecture is shot and the ways that everything is so like and the very stark. flat
1: digital cinematography. The very flat like there's, tec- cinematographer- there's texture yeah. to the cinematography. Like the movies look <clears throat> visually beautiful, <clears throat> but they they apply digital in a way that I don't think any other filmmakers yeah. have really accomplished other than
0: Schrader. Yeah, in a way that like draws that that gray mm-hmm. badness uh, just out of things. Like it's so... Well, because he cause makes the world... Digital little... is lifeless. Yeah so, yeah. so
1: to to make these movies... And that's why I think that the sublime qualities yeah. of these films, to have the lifeless, digital, Brisson-esque yeah. footage yeah. then balanced out by these extremely exuberant sequences yes. makes them so much more powerful. Yeah. Like the the floating sequence in First Reformed, yeah. the... Um, like abu grave sequences yeah. and this yeah. um master gardener is a little bit more subtle yeah in how it approaches it but i think that that's obviously intentional yeah. as like the the kind of closer movie in the trilogy yeah doesn't have the the extreme levels yeah. that this goes to obviously
0: yeah but, but and i mean yeah you get that in the the so much of card counter takes place in like you know, uh, either casinos or conference halls. and the casinos, they push all of the like like uh, big fancy lighting in the background. They don't emphasize the neon of it all. They uh, emphasize like the like shitty food. Court, well, they look the, like, like they buffet. look like real casinos. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's the, not like, sexy. The, the like wood paneled rooms of just card tables and it's it's and funny and how Schrader can make ceilings. these
1: movies where where the the style is so unsexy but then he yeah. cast like the hottest guys alive yes. to just like lead yeah. you through them and you're just like oh my god this i would i can understand I, why the girls fall for these guys because yeah. i would ruin my life for any of these these yeah. problematic boys no, a- any
0: of these any any of these principled older men yeah, yeah right in their journal <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: uh, yeah the uh now, I guess the big comparison point then is, is okay, so we have another decade removed from... Okay, oh, yeah, so yeah, if, yeah. if Red, White, and Blue is the... We're, you know, I mean, the U.S. is never out of the Middle East. Yes, but, like, yeah. let's say that was more direct, like, okay, we're in the aftermath of the Iraq War yeah. in terms of the 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 cultural yeah. response of post in the U.S. And then you have this movie that then comes out Many years later, that's yeah. them reflecting on it even further back.
0: Well, and about on the traumas of a of a population, a civilization that's been put through that. Like, yeah, you know the the younger kid, uh, Kirk with a C, being uh, being being this person whose life has been like warped and traumatized by by his father's trauma from having yes. participated it's, yeah you're right in it, violence. Is, it, it's it is it's generational trauma yeah it's, it's this, actually very smart it's these I cycles it's these cycles of revenge and this sort of like mass traumatic experience that also applies to just something like 9-11 itself where it's like where, where it is like everyone you, you 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 go from sort of the internalization of an individual trauma and the 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 processing and, and you move out to this cultural grief uh, and this ambient constant grief that's just experienced through 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 the whole through the whole world like through the through an entire civilization it's um yeah and, and it is uh, you know like we were saying with red white and blue just these cycles of revenge of like of like you know the the you know attack begets war begets formation of of group begets attack begets war begets and then on this individual level like uh you know begets the destruction of individual lives begets the desire for those individual lives to to find some way to to express themselves and to to move outwardly and then that ends up taking these, like, violent, warped, fucked-up shapes because that's all they've ever known.
1: Yeah. Well, and one of the things I think is most interesting about Schrader's filmography is the way in which he deals with the concept of revenge. Yeah. Um, Like, to that point, like, Red, White, and Blue draws parallels, but it's through a very direct human revenge story. Yes. Whereas, um, in in the cases of uh, all of the, the... specifically let's focus on the trilogy yeah um the trilogy films you could constitute them all as revenge films but they're kind of conceptually revenge films right it's like they're all playing in these ideas of like i'm wronged by a system and i am targeting yeah. a person who is a part of that system yeah
0: and i am aware of the fact <clears throat> that this person is just a symbol that i am just doing this for my own kicks and i can never properly heal the wounds that this system's created exactly and yeah. in,
1: in every case there's the, the, like it's futile where it's it's i think the thing that's most interesting about this trilogy is that it, it really explores revenge in this concept of like it's it's truly against themselves yeah right it's 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 it's, there's almost this massive it's it's uh revenge is masochism yeah it's this like or or revenge as a means of facing consequences to achieve absolvement yeah right it's it's characters looking for like some degree of grace to come up with like to 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 heal their past traumas by by finding more trauma does that make sense yeah
0: or like finding at first uh, ending up in situations where at first they take they they attempt to internalize things but then the situation around them grows to be so extreme that they have to take some kind of action and the only action that's actually available to them is something that they know is just going to make things worse but, You're right because we were talking about order yes, before, and it's yeah. like okay, I am adjusting to
1: this severely, um, dis- like this disillusionment with the system, yeah, um, that has wronged me. I'm, yeah. I'm responding to that, yeah. with a strict code of yes. ethics and yeah. a strict structure to which I'm going to live my life, yeah, um, which is all they're all philosophically based ideas, like yeah. each each film kind of borrows from a different philosophical sort yeah. of um framework in order to, to establish a code that makes sense with their character
0: yeah and in card counter they introduce it early on when he's at prison with the marcus aurelius uh meditations which is um like marcus aurelius's whole deal is as sort of the figure ahead of the stoics his philosophy is very much centered around the idea of control what you have control over what you don't have control over and the the conclusion that he reaches is basically that you can you have full control over yourself and therefore you should only have to be concerned about yourself and that most of the unhappiness in the world is uh the is the result of individuals attempting to take control over, uh, that, which is outside of their control, which is everything but themselves. Exactly. Um, And it's really interesting that they bring that in, in the context of like a gambling story, because like, like, the idea of like gambling movies are always about this idea of uncertainty, of, of, of like a quantum superposition of like you are simultaneously winning and losing at all times. And when you base your life around the idea of 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 living in that state of chance, in that state of uncertainty um your life is always going to be precarious is always going to be exactly. uncertain and that draws out sort of these greater metaphors to just like what life under capitalism in general is like yeah. um whereas in this
1: in this story like uh Oscar Isaac's character yeah. creates a code around um or or creates a system of control yeah. around uh the way in which he, he 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 plays cards yeah i mean it's called the card counter he's yeah. he's counting cards he's playing poker he's playing very strategically by the book yes um very good at reading people because of his history of doing advanced enhanced interrogation (laughs) um so there's Mm -hmm. like a a degree to which he is in a way sort of like living this very like stoic life through um and also it's a way towards atonement in some some form right it's like he, he he there's this level to which he's like abstinent yeah. Be, uh, I mean there, there's there's interesting the, about all the all these films kind of deal with absence in an interesting well, way. The, the,
0: all put four. put a pin in that. Yeah. Put, put a pin in that cuz I, I do want to get back to it. But uh, that was that's the really exciting thing that like to me about this character's atonement is that, you know, his the reason that he was in prison, the reason that he's going through all of this is you know, things that were largely out of his control. You know, he didn't really... The way he describes it is that he doesn't really fully understand the assignment when he's when he's put on Abu Ghraib. He, he ends up the fall guy uh, for, you know, all these other people. Um, but still feels responsible. But still feels responsible for it. But the way that he processes that is by going and gambling, entering this world of total uncertainty, which I think... Is probably some way of kind of reminding himself of the fact that there's this constant degree that he is out of control of his circumstances, trying to remind himself of those things which have acted upon him, trying to take that control away from himself in order to forgive himself. That might be a like far blown deep read, but like I, that was kind of. Isn't there something interesting? Yeah.
1: About how you look at Taxi Driver. Yeah. And the theme of Taxi Driver is this guy can't fuck, so he has to commit violence in order to achieve any sort of meaning or catharsis. And then this trilogy of films that come like 50 years later are based around the idea of violence is pointless get laid.
0: Yeah. And that is your salvation. Yeah. And I love that. That's kind of beautiful because it's like... Master Gardener especially is just basically taxi driver if he decides not to go crazy at the end. Yeah, it's like, Like, oh, yeah, instead, you know, like... You should actually love and care for this person instead of, like, projecting your own masculine violence Yeah, it. Yeah.
1: They're kind of an amazing trilogy of films because they really are, like, taking this, this, like, archetype of, like, the, like
0: it's the same man on the
1: edge well man on the edge type movie but also i wouldn't say that they're on the they're they're on the edge so in order to hold back from the edge they establish a set of codes around them which yeah. always include abstinence yes and then um that drives them to the point of insanity where the only yeah. release to them appears to be an act of violence yeah but then they get laid yeah because of the love of a beautiful younger woman yeah and then um understandably yeah
0: it, they're all I mean, so sexy they're all very he dresses hot he them all exactly the same <laughs> yeah That's they're so just cute. like a guy you want to f- yeah. yeah
1: no it's like per- yeah. it's i paul schrader makes movies for girls yeah because uh, yeah. he's like i'm gonna invent a guy that girls will like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then you watch it maybe just crazy girls like us probably the funny thing is is that i feel like if you if you don't transition you turn into one of those guys
0: yeah probably uh transitioning is sort of like a a a thing that a paul schrader protagonist is presented with at the end of the first (laughs) act in order to be able to take back some control over their existence
1: yeah exactly yeah i mean you could do a deep reading on how all paul schrader's movies are about what happens when a dude can't be trans do it right yeah, now you could i mean like you, could. you really could i mean like it really comes down to everything even 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 uh last temptation of christ you could you could do that reading too maybe we will maybe, maybe we'll do, a, we'll maybe do we'll, it we'll, we'll do day. a deep dive on everything cat people that's a really trans fucking movie right there yeah. i don't know paul schrader and uh in the the classic book easy riders Raging bulls uh he he talks about how badly he wants to be gay but can't couldn't do it but he he, he thought
0: he he thought he oh boy the can of worms right there interesting yeah. love you paul well and it's the thing that we always talk about is like tr- uh, transition as like a mode of existential agency mm-hmm. of like defining yourself against a, a, a universe that wants to define you by pre-established rules and saying saying no um, yeah the um, but but how interesting is it that the, the movies
1: he's making and, and as sort of his swan mm. swan songs like the, yeah. the movies at the late part of like his, life, his yeah. Lulu as it were, <laughs> um, are like these movies about how like the futility of masculine violence yeah. and the like you know um, salvation of you know pussy. <laughs> Of, or, of, of, mean, of feminine, yeah. uh, feminine comfort.
0: Yeah, right? and of like welcoming, uh, of like being open to to the other, of being yeah. open to, um, you know, Why having. Why is Paul share the best? Filmmaker? Those rules imposed on you. I know. We could talk for I hours know. about these yeah, movies. No, He's so cool. Like. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, the other thing that is funny is we did watch, like, five movies this week, because, I, I mean, I'm counting in First Reformed, which we watched a few weeks ago, but, like, it... it it, it's very funny that like we got on this tip and it, we just haven't gotten off of it for well, days on end it, It's it, you can see we li- haven't done anything else y- this y- weekend. It's just been Schrader all the way through <laughs> Yeah, and that's yeah. why we're so well. Adjusted. That's why we're so that's why, we're, that's, why I, that's why we're well-adjusted. Yeah. cis yeah. man, um, yeah. <laughs> excuse me Uh,
1: But like <laughs> the the thing is um, With red white and blue to relate it back yeah, into yeah, yeah. the conversation it it, it does feel have a lot of the same framework and lifeblood of, like, a Paul Schrader-type movie. Yeah. like Especially yeah. this series of films. Yes. But what's interesting is, whereas the other movies shy away from the violence yeah. because of the fact that the lead characters get laid and realize that <laughs> love is more important yeah. than... than Antisocial violence, revenge. Yeah. Um, love is more important than revenge, um, especially against concepts and yeah. symbols, because that's yes. how those movies play out: is revenge against concepts and symbols, and revenge against the self. Yeah, and that um, that
0: a symbolic revenge is always going to be a selfish revenge. Yes, and and as much as the system deserves to to, to get fucking destroyed, the, yeah. The you you taking it out on an individual is always a you problem. Exactly, and yeah. and what's interesting
1: is you you look to. Um, red white and blue there's the 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 thing is is that there's the the love isn't enough without a sexual element yeah it's not interesting yeah there's something about about that but but i guess or that it's
0: uh, or i mean it could go back to what you were talking about of like abstinence and order though where it is like the love that the love that survives the 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 whole sort of traumatic escalation of things is like nate's memory of i can't remember erica erica nate's memory of erica does kind of kind is is the one thing that's going to be sustained from this whole situation and that that's the sexless relationship. It's true. What's what's the sexual relationship? It's Erica and Frankie, and that that doesn't end well. No, it
1: doesn't. And what is interesting about the moves being yeah. like you know uh, so so greatly removed is like you can kind of almost feel like a, a the, the there's I don't know. There's something interesting about how the the character of nate like the catharsis comes in the revenge like the whole movie is built around getting us to that moment which means that like erica's kind of an object in the narrative yeah of the the story even though she's presented as the lead character she ends up having no agency
0: it really puts its its legwork into giving us enough time with her and enough depth to her to to kind of yeah, to kind of not feel like that, but in terms of the actual narrative structure, yeah, where we miss her loss yeah. when yeah.
1: she when she is murdered, yeah. and, and and the movie doesn't relish in the violence committed towards her, yeah, too too fully. It is yeah. it is presented very matter of factly in a way that you know makes it feel rougher and more yeah. fucked up, and I like that. I like a movie that is meant to make me feel bad.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, the the thing is, I think that Paul Schrader's movies, um. This trilogy specifically, yeah. is supposed to make you feel pretty good about they, yourself.
0: They 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 take you to the to like the worst place that they possibly but they can, but then give you a, then immense give you... catharsis. Yeah. Um, yeah, with especially with... First Reform. Fuck. Yeah. Ending. Immense
1: catharsis, and in, in the sense of like that, like it's it's the salvation, yeah. right? It's like it's you're you're given you're granted an escape from yeah. this like futile situation <laughs> yeah. that you've you've been forced into without with kind of outside of your own will right? in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's this desperation that pushes you into trying to make meaning out of violence. Yeah.
0: Well, and you're, 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 uh, you're given like you're, you're given an opportunity again to take some kind of symbolic resistance against the fact that you've been forced into this situation that you never had any, you never had any like consent in any voluntary sort of participation in and to take some small amount of control back and those uh, the the man in the room trilogy is all about learning to say no to that opportunity for selfish satisfaction uh in in favor of love in favor of embracing the world embracing the other it's yeah it's so gorgeous and one thing i've got to say is like i i love revenge movies which all of these are yeah all of these movies
1: are i love revenge movies that that except the fact that revenge is futile yes i think that that's the the best way of exploring it i think that that's the thing that separates like a good revenge movie from a bad revenge movie Mm -hmm. is that you have to find your catharsis elsewhere yeah and i think that that's something that all of these films succeed at um i think that more than any of them uh dark is the best revenge movie out of all of them because of the way in which it it falls denies into, you the it entirely it, denies you anything yeah it it, it it it's it consumes his life to yeah. the point of abstraction yeah. and like the the ending it... of that film is 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 incredible it turns into like a almost flicker film level yeah. of like abstraction where where in the final confrontation it just it just
0: yeah it looks like a demon Packard movie, as I said. It just completely falls apart. We love, uh, we we love a transcendentalist ending. We love the we love the the the, the Evangelian collapse out of reality. Yeah, that's, that's like everything thing. we chase for. Yeah, that's, I mean that's the height. How
1: do you think? How, how do most of my, how's how does my work? always feel like it should end yeah um
0: is just the the narrative structure completely just wait I have a budget before, and i can
1: but... go more unhinged yeah it be really funny yeah, yeah i'll be like hey guys so i'm making this two million dollar flicker film yeah.
0: <laughs> the one other thing i was going to say about collective trauma is it is interesting sort of comparing a uk and a u.s filmmaker working with the same subject matter of like you know the the, the trauma instilled through service because in the instance of you know, uh, Schrader, Schrader is like, is part of that sort of collective seeping, like, uh, and also working later, is in that sort of like horrible psychic pool and is really focused on that aspect of it. Whereas I think what what Runley's kind of doing is something that's a little bit more outside of it and a little bit more judgmental towards the the, the person taking the revenge, where it's a little bit, it, it's 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 harsher in i don't know the because it the,
1: it's harsh in how presents it but it's sympathetic towards the catharsis standing the supposed to yeah. give you or the yeah. lack of catharsis like yeah. like your sympathies are definitely supposed to be with nate yeah um
0: but I don't think the way that they extend those torture sequences is supposed to make you feel good. I no, think no, it, no, no, no. It crosses they are, a line into it, the point it, where it you're, immediately crosses a line. Yeah, the first revenge, yeah, yeah. The, yeah.
1: the first thing he does is 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 attacks the guy's family, stab a child, is stab yeah. a child. <laughs> and you're immediately yeah. supposed to go, "Oh, this is fucked up." Yeah. But at the same time, it's trying to balance it where it's like the crime inflicted upon him is so abhorrent. How is he supposed to respond? And you're, it's, you know, it's kind of playing with your morals of it. Right. Because the thing about a revenge film and like, I talked about this when we watched love exposure, right. Which is like for a revenge film to have any fun with the moment of revenge, you have to stretch the rubber band far enough that when you let it go, it hits someone deserving in the face yeah and that's how you become where, where it has to match in some yeah. way or exceed in some way um like love exposure is really fun when the the initial part of the revenge sequence starts but then of course like all good revenge movies it falls quickly into abstraction and insanity and, yeah because because you you can't you yeah. like there's no catharsis to be had the, there old boy
0: ends the same way yeah um the chain reaction that you set off <laughs> means that the entire rest of your life is going to be just red because because the, the moment of revenge
1: defines not only the rest of your life but everything to come before yeah it's yeah. it's it there's nothing better than a good revenge movie
0: yeah well and i mean going back to dark like that that is how that movie ends is literally you the audience seeing red like <laughs> yeah it's it's beautiful that's it um and and then, yeah. and then a
1: grave and then a grave, yeah. And a grave, see, yeah. It's it's
0: smash cut to boring shot of field and grave, yeah. And it's, it's powerful, so good, so powerful. So good. Um, movies are amazing. Movies are. Uh,
1: not I I love that we ended last week being so depressed with the state of cinema, and then this week, we can watch a movie, like if if we're encompassing the whole trilogy in here, we, we, we earned some good ones. We earned we earned some good ones, but like the fact that Paul Schrader can have a movie where his lead character literally is like as he framed it as like a proud boy like militia member yeah. white supremacist with like swastika tattoos yeah the fact that you can make a really goddamn good and interesting movie about that guy yeah. and have the audience like not not to say sim- fully sympathetic but like invested in where the story's gonna yeah. go and like in his journey of redemption all that shit yeah. it's like people can play with transgressive shit in yes. movies and make damn good movies out of it yeah but as we said last week, uh, conservatives can't make interesting art so yeah we had to go and find some movies made by people who are like actually talented and, and interesting this critical
0: week. of these things yeah
1: yeah the um I, that's the thing is you can explore any subject as long yeah. as you apply some degree of intelligence to it yeah well, and the... Um, Nothing's off limits. You just have to not be a dumbass.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, that's the thing that uh, is so cool about... That's so cool about all of these is it's is it's always this playing of moral limitations. There are all these sort of case studies of like, okay, well, does this person deserve this if they did this? Like, it's... It, and it's sort of weighing these things out. It's like... Uh, yeah, it, it's very, um, very utilitarian as far as like which, which end of the math adds up in order to make this make sense. And I mean, it, it, it calls into question sort of the nature of retributive justice or what justice is, if if not retribution.
1: Oh, and that's why it's so beautiful. I love yeah. I love these movies about justice. That like especially. Um, Paul Schrader's trilogy is so beautiful in how it, it like, especially between Card Counter and Master Gardener, yeah. the way in which it it presents these, like, sort of interesting ideological arguments of what justice looks like on a human yeah. level and, like, the, these ideas of redemption and salvation and grace and all of these things that... I'm just happy that, you know, they're smart filmmakers and, yeah. and, and I, I, I'll be severely depressed when Paul Schrader stops making movies because yeah. uh goddamn when we were sitting there watching all these films it's like no one else is touching on modern yeah. like topics as good as he's doing it yeah
0: and making them timeless and making them feel mythic while also just so contemporary like i I'd, I'd never seen a movie that dealt with like uh that, that dealt with, like, climate anxiety the way that, that First Reformed did. And that's such a definitive emotion of this time and place that, like, is just completely either underwritten or mischaracterized or, like, played as, a, as like, a cliche or, like, critiqued. It, it, I, nothing is... I, I've never seen anything that, like, really engages with it on... Uh, with with that sense of the end of the world in, in that kind of honest way and that's um yeah holy shit holy shit
1: yep paul's the best paul's the best love you daddy love you daddy